So today, I'm going to need your help. I'm going to need some audience participation. I know this is everyone's favorite thing to do. And if you're watching online, I want you in the chat as well. But I need to ask you a question. I want your responses. What did you want to be when you grew up? What did you want to be? Nurse. Nurse? Okay. Who else? Santa. I, there was a lot. Um, cool. <laughs> Who else? Archaeologist. Don't... St- <laughs> Well, yes, for me, I also wanted to be an archaeologist when I grew up, and and that's because when I was a young, young child, I watched the movie Indiana Jones, and for me, like, when I saw that, I was like, that's what an archaeologist is? Like, man, that is the coolest job ever. That's what I want to do, and as a young child, if you were to ask me, like, hey, talk to me about archaeology, you would not have been able to get me to stop talking because I was so passionate about it. If I would have talked about dinosaur bones and jungles and booby traps and running from the Germans, right? Because that's what I thought archaeology was. But what we're passionate about, the things that we love, the things that are inside of us are the things that we talk about. It's the things that we share with others. Uh, Research shows, a new research study just came out and it said this, 60% of our daily communication is about ourselves. Like, that's a mind-blowing statistic. 60% of all our daily communication has to do about ourselves. In fact, if you include our social media in that, over 80% of our communication is all about us. And why is that? It's because the things that we're passionate about, the things that we love, are the things that we love to talk about. It's the things that we represent with our time, our talk, and our actions. Well, today we are continuing our series called Table Talk, where we've been looking at our endless growth values here as a church. These are things that when we dive into scripture, we believe should define every single follower of Jesus. And we've gone over Engage with God. We've looked at Daily Surrender. Last week, Pastor Jason talked about giving of yourself. And today, we are talking about our value of pray for one. That in Christ, that we have a new purpose, and that is to pray for one and to share our faith with those who don't have it. And here's what we mean when we say pray for one. Praying for one is praying for the lost with the desire to be actively used by God to see the lost become found. The one terminology flows from Christ's parable of leaving the 99 in the pursuit of the one lost sheep. As followers of Jesus, we are commanded to love our neighbor and to share our faith with others. Do you love those who don't know Jesus enough to share our faith with them. Here's the tension. Um, We struggle with this. I I know I struggle with this. The reality is that many of us don't share our faith. And and there's some research on this. Lifeway did some research, and and this this happened right before COVID. 73% of Christians believed that it was their responsibility to share their faith, But yet only 52% of them actually shared their faith at least once in a year's time frame. And this was before COVID. I don't know if you're like me, but since COVID happened, it's tough finding opportunities to share your faith. 
So as followers of Jesus, if, if we believe that we should share our faith but don't, how do we change? What inside of us, what motivate? what are the things inside of us that need to change for us to experience something new? When, as we think about this value of pray for one, that you and I are to be actively used by God to tell others about our hope in Jesus, how do we get there? Well, today we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. It's also going to be up on the screen. But we're going to look at the Apostle Paul and some powerful insights that he has for us when we think about this topic of our new purpose and how we pray for one. So I always think it's important to explain context of where we are in the Bible. So again, we're in 2 Corinthians, and if there's a 2 Corinthians, it must mean there's a 1 Corinthians. So Paul was a church planter, and he planted the church of Corinth, and he planted Corinth, and then he went on to plant new churches, and while he was gone, some false teaching, and that church of Corinth really, really got off track. If you read the 1 Corinthians, man, they were messed up, Um, but it was fine. And so Paul wrote the first letter, that letter to encourage them, hey, follow the ways of Jesus, get back on track, walk away from these bad behaviors and the sin in your life. And in the gap, Paul went to visit the church of Corinth again and encouraged them, hey guys, I, we, I planted you, I know you love Jesus, it's time to get back on track. And he left again, and as he was leaving, he got word that the church of Corinth had repented that they had understand what Paul was saying and they were starting to turn back to Jesus. And in this letter, what we're reading today is Paul writing this letter to the church of Corinth, encouraging them to continue on in the ways of Jesus. So, so let's jump in. We're going to be again chapter 5, starting in verse 11. It reads this, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what, we are, but what we are is known to God, and I hope is also known to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearances and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside, us, are beside ourselves, it is for God. And if we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that the one who has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. What we're seeing in some of these verses is Paul is explaining to the followers of the church of Corinth, followers of Jesus, is that we have some new motivations. As followers of Jesus, we have some new motivations. Now, in Scripture, a little Bible study tip. When you see the word therefore, you have to pause and figure out what it's there for. So what you have to do is you kind of back up a little bit and and read. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to go in verse 10. And Paul says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Now, when Paul is talking about this idea of fearing the Lord, sometimes for us it can be confusing. 
And and I want to explain this a little bit. What Paul is communicating in these verses is this idea of reverence and wonder and awe, not of terror. You know, God isn't sitting up in heaven with a giant lightning bolt ready to strike us at any time we mess up. No, 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 no. You see, in this verse and in Paul's life, Paul had a clear understanding that of God... He had a clear understanding of God that one day every single one of us, myself included, would have to stand before God and give an account for our lives. Now, if if we've put our faith and trust in Jesus, then we don't stand in fear in that moment, but we stand in awe. Because we've received God's forgiveness and his grace, and the future isn't scary to us. But what that should do, what the fear of the Lord should do, is it should motivate us to pray for one. It should motivate us to share our faith and persuade others about Jesus. Now, I want to tell you a story, but I need to give you some context. Uh, Growing up, my father never hit me. In fact, I don't really have memories of my dad even raising his voice to me. But um, I remember a particular moment when I was a preteen. If you're a preteen in the room, um, I've been there. I know, and if you are a parent of a pre-teenager, um, bless you, we're praying. Um, but I remember being a preteen. I was in the kitchen with my mom, and I don't remember the argument, but something happened, and in that, in that moment, I made a bold decision to raise my voice to my mother. And my mom just kind of stopped talking, and she said to me, you know what? Let's continue this conversation when your father gets home. (laughs) And I remember just shuddering and, oh, no, this is not going to turn well for me. And she said, you know what, why don't you wait in your room until he comes home? So I waited and waited and waited. Palms are sweaty, knees weak, you know. (laughs) And my dad finally comes home, and I hear my mom and dad talking a little bit, and and my father walks down the hallway, and my dad was a talker. This is, I get this from my dad. My dad asked questions. He wanted to know what, would, what happened. So he sat me down, and he listened to what happened, and he ended He's saying, you, this is not okay. This is not behavior I tolerate in this house, and you need to apologize to your mother. Yes, yes, so whatever I need to do, sure. And as he was leaving the room, he turned around gently and said this, um, Graham, if you ever raise your voice to your mother again, this will be a very different conversation. And in that moment, I made a, I am never, ever going to do that. And that wasn't out of fear of what my dad would do to me, but that was, I respected my dad. I loved my dad. If my dad was going to come to me and say, this is not the way to go, then out of reverence and awe for my dad, I wanted to, I wanted to do that. And that's the same picture we have in scripture here. We're not living in terror and fear of God, but we respect God and honor God and revere God, and that should propel us to persuade others. In verse 14, we see Paul saying that the love of Christ should control us. You see, after we know who God is and his holiness and his power and his lordship, it should move us to a point of recognizing his love. This is such a beautiful picture for me of that as we think about God and his perfect holiness and love and power and awe, that in spite of our sins, God provided a way through Jesus 
for us to be in relationship with him. That is a beautiful picture, and that is love. Uh, for those of you that know my wife, Heather, um, she's great. Love her. And Heather has one of the biggest hearts I have ever experienced in my life. If you are in Heather's life, you've been blessed and overwhelmed by her love. And I'm still to this day overwhelmed. I spend time with her, and I can't believe she loves a Grinch like me. But the love that she gives to me so overwhelms me, it compels me to want to love those around me better. That her love for me and the love that she shows me wants me to be better. And that's the same. If that can be said for human love, what can be said from God's love? That God loves us so much, how could it not compel us? How could it not control us to love those around us so much that we have to, have to share our faith with others? We pray for one and we share our faith because in Jesus, we have some new motivations. So a question for you is, have you been so transformed by these new motivations that that you're sharing your faith? Have you been so transformed by this idea that I fear the Lord and the love that God has shown me, I couldn't help but share my faith with others? Well, we continue in verse 16, and it says this. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. In the previous verses, we see the Apostle Paul giving us some new motivations, right? Fearing the Lord and being controlled by love. And now we see Paul giving us a new perspective. Paul is saying here that in Christ, we need to view others like Christ. That you're either in Christ or you're without Christ. You are either saved or you are unsaved. There is no gray. There is no in the middle when we think about our salvation. And Jesus had some pretty big feelings on this. In the Gospel of Matthew, it says this. Jesus is talking. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And the Pharisees saw this, the Pharisees' religious leaders of the day, asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not healthy, the healthy who need a doctor but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. A question for you is how do you view others? Do you view your unsaved friends and family members and coworkers and those around you from a casual perspective? Well, everyone's got their own path. I don't want to infringe on people and, you know, they're just going to figure it out and I don't want to say anything. Or do you have a Christ-like perspective that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life and that no one gets to the Father but through Christ? Do you love those around you so much that you are compelled to share the saving hope of Christ with them? Because how you see those around you controls how you love those around you. How you see the people around you controls how you act and how you speak and how you share your faith with those around you. Those that are in Jesus 
have to come to a place knowing that they have a new purpose and a calling to be the voice of Jesus in our world. Uh, We continue in verse 17, and it says this. I love this verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled himself and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting us to the message of reconciliation. First, we start off of understanding that in this passage, we have some new motivations, right? We fear the Lord and we're controlled by love. And then Paul says we need a new perspective. We need to see those around us from a Christ-like perspective. And now we see we have a new life. I think oftentimes as Christians, when, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we think we go through like a renovation process, right? We had an old beaten down shabby house and Jesus walks in with a hammer and nails and says, let's fix this place up. No, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you are made completely new. Now that doesn't mean we still don't struggle, right? I mean, I don't know, you, you might be perfect, Love that for you. I struggle every single day. There are things in my life that I pray to God, God, I want to move past this. God, I want to do better in this. I have to repent and confess to God every single day. But those things we've been freed from, those things in our life, those are things that we invite back into our life. But God has freed us. He's unshackled us from those things. Because in Christ, we are new. We have a new way of thinking. We have a new way of acting. We have new motivations, a new perspective, and we have a new mission. And this mission is that it says in this passage that God has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. We have been entrusted with the message and hope of Jesus, the greatest message ever told. That through Jesus, we can have a restored relationship with God. I mean, have you ever been on a road trip, right? You're with your buddies or you're with your family or whatever, and you always have the snack person, right? Every road trip, you need the snack person in the car. And a lot of times, they'll have this like shareable bag, right? They got the big bag of Starburst or the pretzels, and you're driving along and you hear them munching, and you're like, I need the pink Starburst because that's the best flavor, and you ask for one, they're like, nah. Uh, what? Uh, it says shareable right on the bag. Like when you get a shareable thing, you have to share it with others. Like where is my pink Starburst, right? Those people are not nice. I don't like those people. If you're in a road trip, share your candy. <laughs> but as followers of Jesus, we have been entrusted with a shareable message. And do you love those around you enough to share that message? That in Jesus, that we can have eternal life, that we can be freed from our sins, that we can spend eternity with Jesus. Do you love those around you enough to share? We, we finish up in, in verse 20, and it says this. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on the behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness 
of God. I, I want to pause for a moment of the power of what we just read. If you have trouble understanding the gospel and the realities of what that is, this is one of the most powerful verses in the Bible. That God the Father, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, has chosen you and I to make his appeal through us to a lost world. That is so powerful that we have been entrusted with the greatest message in human history, and we are called to be ambassadors for Christ. That when an unsaved world who is searching and looking and looking for peace and looking for hope, I don't know if you've looked outside lately or looked on your social media lately, everything feels like it's falling apart in our lives and our friends' lives. And we have people searching and looking. And when people look at us, what do they find? When a world is searching for answers, when a world is searching for peace, when a world is searching for hope, when a world is searching for I need to know what's happening next, when they look at us, when they're looking for love, what do they find? Because here's the problem, and I know I speak for myself in this. Sin isn't just the wrong things we do, but it's also the right things we choose not to do. If someone were to look at your life, would they see that you're an ambassador for Christ or would they see you're an ambassador for something else? If someone was going to scroll through your social media, how quickly would they see that you love Jesus versus your political affiliation? If you're in your friend group and your coworkers and it's lunch break and you're all talking around, in that moment, what are you representing in your conversations? Are those friends, are those coworkers, is that family situation, are they seeing Jesus in this, those conversations? Or are they seeing something else? If someone were to grab your phone and, and scroll through your DMs, are they seeing an old you who's still trapped in whatever old things that are there? Or they see someone who's new, who has been made new in Christ, and they can't help but say, I don't know the answers, but I want what you have. Is that what they're going to find? What we share, how we act, how we speak, how we love, how we think is a window to the world of what we represent. It is a window to the world of who we love and how we've been loved. So if someone were to look through your window, what are they going to find? Paul is pleading to the church of Corinth in these passages uh, that the old is gone. It is time to walk away from the old life and to start living and walking in a new life. That we have a new purpose and that we are ambassadors to Christ and that we're called to pray for one and to share our faith about Jesus. And this is our, our kind of main thought for the text today is that in our new life, we have a new purpose. In our new life, we have a new purpose. And that as followers of Jesus, we have been made new and given a new purpose that we are called by God to be ambassadors for Christ. And that in a world that is desperately searching and looking and trying to find an answer, are we going to be bold enough to speak? Or are we just going to stay silent? If you're anything like me right now, you might be saying to yourself, uh, Graham, I love it all, but this is hard. 
Uh, It's sometimes scary. I I have people I've talked to before. It didn't really go well. And maybe I'm afraid of how they're going to react or what they're going to say. Or sometimes I don't know what to say. And I'm I'm circling in fear. Grand, this, this is hard. And if that's you, I have been there. When I was a young adult, I, uh, I was kind of getting my faith back on track and just trying to do the right thing, and, and I started hanging out with some better people, and I was at like a young adult thing, and we decided to go to a Blues Calls game. Now, if you know me at all, you know I'm not the biggest small talker. I love you, but like small talk is like I struggle. I'm a little introverted. Like it's just a hard thing for me. And so we sat down at Blue Claws, and all my friends were kind of this way, and then there was an empty seat right next to me. You know where this is going. And so as the game got started, this older gentleman began to sit down. And I don't even think he was fully in the seat yet before this guy started bombarding me with questions, right? Asking me about my life, asking about what I liked, what I didn't like, telling me about his life. I was like, I didn't know that many words could come out of someone at one time. And for, I don't know how many innings are in a baseball game, but for all of the innings, this guy decided to tell me everything about his life. And it was just like this big moment. And, and we got done, the game ended. And as we were walking back to the car, this girl ran up to me and said, hey, Graham, I saw, I saw that guy sit next to you and I saw he kept asking you questions. Like, that looks such, like such a cool opportunity. Graham, did you share your faith with him? I didn't. Because in that moment, I was so preoccupied by just, I wanted to watch the game and I wanted to hang out with my friends. And and if he asked me, I didn't know what I was going to say. And in that moment, I, I missed the opportunity. And as we're sitting in that car right on the way home from that baseball game, I prayed to God and I said, God, I never want to miss it again. Because, God, I want to be driven by a new perspective. I want to be driven by new motivations. I want to be controlled by your love. And, God, I don't want to miss the pitch again. If you team me up, if you give me someone, if you give me a one in my life, I don't want to miss it. Now, here's the reality is I've missed so many more since then. But here's my prayer is that as my relationship starts to deepen, And the more I grow in my faith that those missed opportunities become fewer and fewer and fewer. So church, are you bold enough to speak? Are you tired of missed opportunities? Are you tired of having those people in your life and you just choose to stay silent? Because in our new life, we have a new purpose. We have been called to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ, that we are so motivated by the love God has shown us that that we can't help but speak the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that it's always on the tip of our tongue, that we are so controlled that we're looking and searching for opportunities. God, give me one person today to share my faith with. Do you love those around you enough, whoever's in your life, to share your faith with them? Some of you have friends and family members and coworkers and spouses and whoever it is in your life that you know they need Jesus. But for whatever reason, you've just, it's hard. 
But today we need to reckon with, have I gotten to a place that I'm simply ready to burst? I can't help but share. Because the most important gift you can receive or give this Christmas season is Jesus. So here, here's, my, here's my challenge for you as a church. Our pray for one challenge is this, is to accept Jesus or to share Jesus. Some of you in this room, maybe a friend brought you, maybe you've been coming for a while and Man, I've been talking about the righteousness of God and reconciling and faith in Jesus and all these things. And you're saying to yourself, I haven't done that, but I think I do. Then maybe today you can make the best decision of your life of putting your faith in Jesus. Because here's the gospel. That, that we all have this thing called a sin problem. I don't know if you have looked, in, looked at your life or looked at our world. Like There is brokenness all around us. There are things, we don't make mistakes, we make mistakes on purpose. And those things, God calls sin and it separates us from God. But God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sin. And then if we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and surrender our life to him and say, Jesus, it's all about you. You are my savior. Then on that, in that moment, you are saved and Jesus calls you his and you become a child of God. And one day you get to be in the presence of Jesus. So this morning, are you ready to take that step? It's a hard step. I'm not going to lie to you. Your life isn't going to get easier after you say yes to Jesus but you have the promise of hope that you don't have to do life alone anymore. That Jesus is going to be in your life and that one day you get to be in heaven with him. Now, some of you this morning need boldness. Some of you know are in those statistics of, yes, I know it's important for me to share my faith, but man, it's hard. I'm afraid. I what happens in my social circles if I decide to step out in boldness and share my faith? I don't know what's going to happen or I don't know what to say or what will people, th- whatever it is right now, you might need boldness of saying, I don't want to miss it again. There's a person probably in your mind right now that you know you need to share Jesus with. So all you're bold enough that this week that you're going to send a text message, that you're going to send a DM, that you're going to do an email. I don't care how you do it, FaceTime. I don't care if you get an owl from Harry Potter and send the message. Whatever you need to do to share Jesus this week, will you be bold enough to have the conversation? And if you don't know what to say, then simply share your story. This is how I was before Jesus. This is what Jesus did in my life. And this is my new life. And you can have that too. No one can debate your story. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to respond. And I want to take a moment at the end to just pray for you. If you're someone right now who wants to receive Jesus, I want to take a moment to pray for you. And if you have questions, you can come see myself or one of our volunteers. We would love an opportunity to unpack it more for you. But I also want to take an opportunity to pray for you if you need boldness. If you're anything like me, this week could not be a better week to tell someone about Jesus. And if you want that boldness, I want to take a moment to pray over you that God would grant you that boldness to speak. So let's pray.
God, we love you. I thank you that you loved us enough and you picked men and women like us who didn't deserve it to be your ambassadors. You've entrusted your message to us. God, that is a way that sometimes I'm even overwhelmed with. But God, I pray in this moment, some may be in this room who it's, it's time that they put their faith in you. That there's just something stirring in their heart, they don't know what it is, but today is the moment that they want to say, I trust in Jesus. God, I pray for those hearts right now. If you want to, to do that, I want you to simply look up at me. I want a moment to pray for you. I'm going to try and see. Okay. Now, if you're in this moment and you need boldness, man, this is a prayer for myself too. If there's someone in your life that you know desperately needs to know Jesus, or even that, you don't, there's no one on your mind, but you know this week you need to be bold and you need to share your faith. I want to pray for you. Who needs some boldness this morning? Look up at me. Okay. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we love you. God, I, I don't want to be afraid of the world. I don't want to be afraid of people. I want to have your fear and your reverence and your awe drive me to let all those things fade away. God, I pray in this moment that myself in this room, that you give us boldness to speak. God, people need your love and they need your hope and they need your grace and they need your forgiveness and you've entrusted us to share. So God, I pray right now that you would draw our motivations, that you would let your love push us that in that moment that we would maybe just keep our mouth shut, that your love would push us to speak. That our new perspective, that those who don't know Jesus will be separated you from you forever. God, would we, we can't let that happen. We are compelled. We want them to know Jesus, and we want to persuade them. God, would you give us that boldness? Would we understand that we have a new life? That the old things that used to distract us, they're all gone and in you we are made complete. God, I pray for courage. I pray for opportunities. I pray for those moments where, man, you opened up every single door for me to share my faith with that person and I pray that we have the courage to speak. God, I pray that next week, there will be stories of celebration of I shared my faith. I prayed for one. Someone knows Jesus and we can have a party. Jesus, we love you. I thank you. In your name, in your powerful name, in your holy name. Amen.